Blog Talk Radio. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for all your blessings. You said in all things give thanks. So we want to thank you tonight for these mighty machines that you brought before us. Thank you for the Dodges and the Toyotas. Thank you for the Fords. And most of all, we thank you for Roush and Yates partnering to give us the power that we see before us tonight. Thank you for GM Performance Technology and the R07 engines. Thank you for Sunoco Racing Fuel and Goodyear Tires that bring performance and power to the track. Lord, I want to thank you for my smoking hot wife tonight, Lisa. My two children, Eli and Emma, or as we like to call them, the little E's. Lord, I pray you bless the drivers and use them tonight. May they put on a performance worthy of this great track. In Jesus' name, boogity, 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 amen. Everybody in the studio here. Oh, uh, yeah. Push that pedal down. There you go. All right, all right. So we're going to kick things off. Uh, Craig, you here? Miss Lee? Pass? I'm here. All right, all right, all right. Well, y'all got their itinerary uh, for today's show. We'll go ahead and kick things off with, uh, I guess, it's going to be in case you missed it things that have gone on in the past week. Of course, last week was our first show of the season. Uh, this is our second show episode. We're glad to have y'all a part of the Race Chat Live podcast gang. Remember, you can share us anywhere you like. You can listen to us on just about any 
podcast platform. And we want to give y'all all kinds of good content here tonight uh, with uh, the help of my comrades here on the show. All right, guys. So, uh, Martin Truex Jr., strike gold. California. Big news. All right. Considering the year. Well, Chris, I want to ask you a question, and I saved this for us. To, I want to get everybody's take on this. I want to say I wanted to save this for the show and not post it on Race Chat Live. Now, I know as well as anybody, a breakup is a breakup. But do you think that Sherry being sick hindered his racing ability? And now that he and Miss Sherry Pollock are no longer an item, that he will be able to solely focus on putting that team in victory lane more often than not. I mean, he already yeah. been able to do it. Craig, you, you know, you just don't really know. You know, um, of course, Martin Truex Jr. and Sherry Pollock have been together for a very, very, very long time. Um, what uh, caused, uh, created a separation between those two? I uh, don't think that has been – I don't think that's any of our business. Um, it's hard to say whether or not Truex has been distracted or, you know, lack thereof. Look, uh, Sherry Pollock could have just as well told Martin, you know, take a hike, dude. You're not going to marry me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, we don't know the personal life of them two. It is unfortunate the circumstances of their relationship over the years, and he's been a big supporter of uh, – of her treatments and things like that, uh, the cancer society and stuff. So we'll see how that continues along. Uh, but, you know, Craig, I, I think uh, several of us have come off of bad relationships at times or relationships. And, you know, you just got to kind of get a fresh start, right? And this is a great fresh start for Martin Truex Jr. Cass, uh, Miss Lee, what are your thoughts? Uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because um, I do believe uh, Tony Stewart came out of – it might have been Tony Stewart. Correct, you can correct me if I'm wrong. But didn't he come out of a bad relationship, and then the next year he was uh, – he won the championship or came close to it, but was a championship contender or something like that. Um, maybe Truex was a threat, was a basically fresh start. Uh, with whatever distractions he had last year, um, that may that could have possibly caused uh, the rough season he had, um, could be now out of the way. Especially with the decision of if he's going to be retiring at the end of 2022 or not, because um, he was weighing that option, but obviously he didn't, as he is here in 2023. And as far as we know, in terms of retirement for him, he's not announcing anything in terms of retirement until until I think September, from what I uh, recently heard about uh, on a YouTube page that I was uh, listening along to about a couple days ago. Well, I think I believe it's too early. But Ryan Newman, too, if you think about it, um, 
was had yeah, some distractions in a rough season. And he won and he won an S he was a championship contender with SRX and won a race. So I mean, right. hey, sometimes you per sometimes personal distractions can be a thing. And we don't know uh, and we've seen it go people's personal lives, but hey. That's something that we'll definitely have to discuss uh, here in a little bit because obviously TMZ doesn't do their job well enough to be in personal people's lives, but that's for a later discussion. Obviously, with this situation right here, uh, you, you know, I, I take it uh, you know, Dale Jr., right? Uh, his life completely changed and started to not suck after he met Amy, right? Uh, Amy was kind of like the change of his career back to the good, right? So, I mean, we've seen Amy both sides. You could say the same about Kyle Bush when he met Samantha and how it kind of softened his rough edges a little bit. Right. If we don't believe for one minute, back to Craig's point, if we don't believe for one minute that their personal lives aren't affected by certain, you know, good things and bad things that are going on in their personal lives, if you think that that doesn't affect their play out on the field, um, you know, we're, we're kidding ourselves. These are normal people at the end of the day, just like us. And when they go through personal problems, a lot of times they either it either fuels their fire or it, it hinders them. I've seen Denny Hamlin, you know, push it to the line. We know his two-finger Hamlin, right? Who, may I add, was seen with the girl who, with his baby's mama, who kind of put uh, him out on blast less than a year ago. So, you know, obviously – you know, sometimes when we close the book on certain relationships, that's not necessarily the case. The, the, I think the question from everybody in the Sherry Pollock Martin Truist deal is who broke up with who, right? Is it that Sherry has come to the end, right, and she doesn't want to keep Martin Truist? I believe somebody, and I don't know if I want to quote this or not, but this is what I heard, uh, that uh, Sherry had told Martin that she didn't want to get married because she didn't want Matt, Martin to be a, a widow. And uh, a widower. And uh, so I don't know if, you know, maybe that has something to do with it. Or maybe, who knows, maybe Martin Truex, just like I said, just said, hey, you know, it's time for a fresh start, a new beginning. Um, Tom Brady, obviously, we want to blame the divorce on Tom Brady coming back and playing football. I'm going to tell you right now, that divorce was decided and then he went and played football, right? I mean, who could agree there, right? Uh, did Tom Brady choose fam- football over family? No. He already knew his family was going to be dissolved, and then so he was like, "Hey, I'm going to go back and play football." He spent six weeks at home and realized this ain't where I want to be, right? So, well, and that's uh, part of the question too, though, was what did um, Martin's decision not to retire play into that? Was you know was Sherry demanding that he retire, and he said you know he wasn't ready for it yet, or did did he decide not to retire because they broke up? You know, we don't know. Right, right. But we did see a resurgence on the racetrack. It was good to see the 19 Bass Pro Shop uh, uh, Toyota Camry uh, running as well as it did. It looked like once Martin kind of got out front, he was going to be the car to beat. Uh, Martin, I think, went last year without a win. That was his first time since, I believe, the days of, Michael Walker Racing, or could be the early year of Furniture Row Racing. But I know Martin had quite a streak of wins in a season, and unfortunately that comes to an end uh, last year. 
But now he's got things. And you know what? This is an exhibition race. He may suck the whole rest of the season. Last year, the guy who won went on to win a championship. Uh, we'll have to see how that plays out this year. Giggles uh, won the class last year at the Coliseum and won the championship. Can Truex follow that suit? Who knows? I yeah, I said that earlier. On, I said that earlier, and I believe it was yesterday on a post too. It would be interesting to find out. All right. Anybody else got any more thoughts on this? Uh, on Martin Truex taking the gold at Southern Cal? I, I did. I, I was disappointed. Fox broadcast did not uh, show the presenting of the medals. Uh, I was looking forward to something similar to F1 where they played uh, some, na- some national anthems and, uh, you know, just uh, presented the trophies to the the podiums uh, to the drivers. Unfortunately, I believe with the length of the broadcast being six and a half hours long, a uh, straight pace of 21 miles an hour <laughs> was the average speed. Of the entire event, caution, I guess that was caution, the feature caution. event. Sixteen cautions, right? So, uh, yeah, there was a whole My motorcycle lot. Just faster than that in first gear. I mean, that was ridiculous. Yeah, last year uh, I was watching uh, Kenny Wallace's video on the Clash today on his take, and he said that the Clash was to him. He thought the Clash um, was not overall a good race he said the first half wasn't bad but the second half he said it it was terrible and um and that he did mention this and i forgot to mention it earlier to you guys he said that last year's uh clash at the coliseum only had five cautions and chris said 16 so we just tripled that in one year oh yeah yeah for sure we also started more cars uh, so uh, that you know, that may have had a certain effect to it. Also, I did take note that uh, drivers were kind of comical almost during the heat races and stuff during the bumping and banging. Sure enough, if this was a points fan race, uh, we would not have seen that type of stuff going on. So some of these cautions, you know, look, uh, we finally said cautions shouldn't count because uh, we watched uh, some dirt races basically be pushed down the drain because they counted caution laps. And uh, so now NASCAR took our advice and they didn't have caution laps and we made a six and a half hour event out of it. So, uh, <laughs> you know, thank God NASCAR listens to their fans. Well, and I think another and thing, al- and also, factor, oh, big ahead. factor that played into it was the comfort level with the cars as opposed to last year. Right. You know, they were up against the wall. They didn't have figure them out, and they also didn't have to be worrying about parts and stuff this year. Right. Very good. Very good, Miss Lee. Yeah, there was definitely some uh, different scenario. Um, I, You know, I've learned, and some racers will get mad uh, when I say this, but um, you can't really – and I probably have a little racer listening to it tonight, and he's going to get mad that I say this. It's hard because it's hard for a racer to judge what's a good race, right? Uh, a racer believes a good race is when he finishes first. That's not necessarily what a fan thinks is a good race. And Kenny Wallace is a racer, and uh, you know, Kenny over the last couple of weeks, he's, he's I don't know if he's shooting to get views to his channel or what, but 
Kenny said some kind of crazy things that just, you know, I hate to say uncharacter of Kenny because he's definitely quite the character. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like he's just kind of – it's just that whole that whole segment about the clash. I was disappointed that he was a naysayer uh, of something that I felt like if anybody should understand different cultures, different ways, and the effort that NASCAR is putting in to bring in a, a, a new fan base, a more broader fan base to put us in these outlets in big cities. Um, that's, that's, that was a uh, – because if you look, like, there's populated states, okay? We have a stat coming up later on, right, guys, where, you know, it's showing the outlets of the towns, the biggest cities where uh, they were tuned in the most. At. It's not New York City and L.A., right? These were – these were Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, a couple of other uh, smaller cities. So, um, as much as we want it to be, NASCAR is still a rural sport. But hey, I like the idea of going into LA and, and attracting a new fan base and having an exhibition race. Are we ready for our second topic, or do we have anything else about Martin Truex Jr. Uh, getting the gold at the clash of the Coliseum, or as Denny Hamlin called it, the crash at the Coliseum. <laughs> All right, so uh, I hope you guys caught the podcast. Uh, uh, detrimental to stock car racing or something. It's Denny Hamlin's new podcast. I got to listen to a little bit of it earlier today. Uh, it's really cool. Uh, Dirty Mo Media, man. Y'all are knocking it out of the park. All kinds of stuff. If, if you want a cool podcast outside of ours, I'll tell you what, go check out the Dirty Mo Media. Uh, strong performances this weekend from RCR. Is this something that, uh, you know, Austin Dillon, podium finish, Kyle Busch, second place finish. Come on, guys. We're going to start out with you, Taz. What are your thoughts on RCR's resurgence? Or or is this where they belong? Well, first things first, Mr. Rhinestone Cowboy might be having a new freaking nickname if he keeps looking like how he did on Sunday. The first time I saw him, I the literally the first words that came out of my mouth was he looks like a nineties porn star. Yeah, I mean, you know, take out the wife, so <laughs> they got in Guys, I'm a little nervous <laughs> as to why you would know what a nineties porn star would look like. I ain't gonna lie. Oh, <laughs> come on, Craig! Everybody I mean, knows who Ron Jeremy is. <laughs> yeah, I think he's well, yeah, one of the VHS tapes. I think he, I think he hey, all that tape hey. was still probably in there. <laughs> at one point, at Miss one Lee, point I'm in sorry. our lives, we've all been curious. That's all oh I'm my saying. gosh, Miss Lee, I'm terribly sorry. This just this just yeah, went off okay. the railroad track. Anyway, like I said, um, every everybody knows who Ron Jeremy is. So, all right, <laughs> some of us are built like him, but other than that, oh. But anyways, um, I don't know if this is strong where performance. To, I don't know if this is where to expect RCR to be week in week out. Um, being with Kyle Busch's performance last year with the Clash, uh, who led a lot of laps before Logano took over the lead, and being how Kyle Busch was, I know practice didn't go over very well for him, but after that he um, obviously found something and ran strong. Um, and being that Kyle Busch um, 
likes racing on short tracks. We've seen him win Bristol a number of times. Uh, we know on his off in his off time from NASCAR, he's with Brexton running short tracks, primarily dirt tracks, but still running on short tracks. So we know Kyle Busch is a short track racer. So being that Kyle Busch had a strong uh, finish is not um, is not surprising to me anyways. But to see Austin Dillon up there was a little shocking. So, But I would like to see more consistency out of them. I don't want to jump the gun on them being, hey, this is where they should be. I'm still listing them as a Tier 2 team right now. But I would like them to prove me wrong. Ms. Lee? Well, I don't... Go ahead. Oh, Craig, go ahead. I, go ahead, I don't know. It's too early. It's, it's too early to tell. Sorry, Ms. Lee. Um, one race is not a season make. So, and I mean, it was pretty much a... a race of attrition uh, with, what would you say, how many cautions were there, 17 or something like that? 16. And it's an exhibition. 16 and 150 lap pieces. Yeah, I mean, it's an exhibition race. I think if anybody gets stout equipment at RCR, it's not going to be the Rhinestone Cowgirl. It is going to be Kyle Busch. Um, they're going to make sure he has the best equipment to assure that he has the best equipment to go out and win a championship. <laughs> Which leads into me. my So that point. way they can go. Go ahead, Miss Lee. Well, that's my point was going to be, I wonder how much Pop-Pops opened up the pockets with the addition of Kyle Busch and what sponsorship he brings, obviously. But, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you there, Craig. I don't think that uh, – uh, the Cowboys going to be getting the best equipment. I think Kyle will be. And and yes, it's too early to say whether that's where they should be. And it's Kyle Reddick was. It's funny you guys mentioned that because, uh, as I said in the thread, and I want to say here for the uh, listeners too. I mentioned RCR getting Kyle Bush. If you really think about it, he hit the jackpot. Because when Kyle Busch was with Gibbs, you saw the Toyota development come into play. Kyle Busch, obviously having his own truck team, helped bring helped Gibbs and Toyota bring in drivers uh, from anything under trucks or Xfinity, whatever he wanted, however low Gibbs really ran, and started developing them into becoming uh, stars. And we have um, we have people that ran through KBM, like William Byron, who's now with Hendrick. May not be with Toyota, but Kyle Busch still brought him in. Uh, you have guys like, I believe, Chandler Smith coming through now. Just Noah Gregson. I'm just naming a couple. Noah Gregson was another one. So, I mean, Kyle Busch has helped Toyota and Gibbs in one sense, bring in drivers and develop them. Now RCR, since they kind of, at one point, did not have an Xfinity team. They kind of put that off to the back burner. Then they brought it back. 
And now with Kyle Busch with RCR and bringing his truck team, RCR basically has a giant pool that he could possibly Mm -hmm. work with as long as he keeps Kyle Busch into play. The pool is dollar bills, Taz Taylor. The pool is full of dollar bills. And the reason why I say that, Taz Taylor, is because we know Kyle Busch is one of the most highest-paid drivers in the garage, which means he brings more money than just about any other driver in there. The farce that, that Joe Gibbs tried to say he couldn't find a sponsor uh, funding for for Kyle Busch was ludicrous unless the fact that he was trying to sell one certain package. Because what I believe has happened here at RCR, and it's something that we've not seen since the likes of Budweiser, we've seen somebody that has been able to come in and bring checks to RCR. We've been able to fill that sort of pool up with dollar bills. And that's how you win these days in racing, with money. Exactly, and that's that's why I said, you know, not only is Pop Pop opening up his pockets, but there's also you also consider the sponsorship money that Kyle's bringing. Something that Tyler Reddick was, you know, not. I mean, Tyler Reddick was unknown, right? When he come into uh, NASCAR, when he come into the Cup Series, of course, you know, I mean, he had successful back-to-back years uh, in Xfinity, but everybody knows checks aren't written for rookies, okay? That has to be that has to be signed off by the car owner. In this instance, you know, compared to what they were probably bringing in last year for Tyler Reddick versus what sponsorship money they were able to bring in this year uh, for Kyle Busch, uh, you know, we know the beneficiary to all this. It's going to be Austin Dillon, and it's no surprise that Austin Dillon finished right behind Kyle Busch. I mean, look, Earnhardt said, "Y'all stay in line. We'll be one, two, three at the end." I kind of wonder if RCR didn't just say, hey, Dylan, stay behind Bush. Let's get the best finish we can get. Stay on his tail. Let's get the best finish we can get. And, you know, I thought it really worked like that, considering all the beating and banging, 16 cautions. Uh, you know, but uh, at the same time, wishful thinking, right? Uh, I believe who, – who, who do we go to from here? Craig? Or are we done? No, we're done. We done? Okay. All right. RFK misses the clash again as we move on to, in case you missed the topics of the evening, RFK, uh, no show for the feature. How concerned should uh, Brad Keselowski and Roush be that they were unable once again to make uh, the race after such a long haul and expensive trip out to California? We'll start with you, Craig. Well, I don't know. I would be concerned, but I wouldn't be overly concerned. Uh, that race is for bragging rights. I don't believe there's anything else on the line. There's no playoff points, to my knowledge, uh, that can be gained from that as a bonus, correct? No. no, no. Yeah, um, no points or anything. Yeah, I, I didn't think so. So, I mean, from because you never know. NASCAR changed their mind like most women change theirs. Um. So you can't, I mean, I'd be upset, but at the end of the day, that's not the race that's going to help you win championship. So they need to focus on Daytona. They need to focus qualifying well at Daytona and moving forward through the points-paying races of the season and try to get a win uh, early in the season on both sides of the coin so that way they can lock them. They can both get themselves locked into a championship early 
then they can build from there going forward. So I would be upset because they spent all that money getting out there. But at the end of the day, you know, it's a tax write-off. Uh, quite and an expensive really, tax write-off, Craig. Go ahead, Lee. And really, are either of these guys really known for being short track racers? I, I really don't think either one has that kind of background. So, I you know, I've not been really pretty good at Bristol. It. Yeah, but yeah. that's one well, track. Right, 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 right. Right. Um, I feel like kind of quite the opposite is going on in RFK. Brad Keselowski come in, but unfortunately he didn't bring a ton of funding with him. You know, he bought, he used a lot of his own money, I think, and uh, his company's money uh, to make the purchase in RFK Racing. And, and from every article that I read over the wintertime, he was very disappointed in the lack of progress uh, by RFK. Now, you know, I think we all kind of figured that this was going to be a work in progress. Rolling into the 2023 race season, I would be very concerned that neither one of my drivers uh, were able to make it into the 27-car race show. Cass Taylor, what are your thoughts on RFK missing the clash? I'm on the same page as Craig, and that's being – I'd be a little concerned, but being as an exhibition, no points, you know, I wouldn't be overly concerned. Maybe look into how can they improve uh, maybe their short track package back at the shop. Maybe they were off on setup or they had the setup, but everyone did their homework and just beat them to it. Uh, At this point, it's pretty much basically look at your short track package and figure out how do we get better from here. Has. Obviously, from qualifying, they, they rolled off the truck really shitty. There's a quarter to the jar. Um, and and I think that from that point on, once you were mirrored, marred back in the back, it was nothing but an accordion effect from, you know, from everybody else. And, and if RFK if, if RK would have made the race, you would have actually seen a couple of names that you didn't realize were that close to the bubble. And that was Chase Elliott, right? Chase Elliott was like one car away from not making the feature. So, I mean, I can kind of agree that it's not time to panic. Of course, we've seen other cars who, unfortunately, you know, caught up in the accordion effect near the back. And once you were in the back, it was kind of hard to move forward. Um, but uh, I believe, Miss Lee? Yeah, I don't. You know, again, I don't. I don't think it's time to panic just yet. As Craig said earlier, one race does not make the season. So, you know, we'll see how they do the next couple of races, and then maybe, you know, form an opinion. All right. All right. Well, we'll move on to our next topic, which is what the driver said. I've just shared. Uh, the article to you guys, if y'all want to open that up and check it out. Uh, let's see. Well, I had it opened up. I've got it open, and I found it interesting that Kyle Larson said exactly what I said about the fact that, you know, last year it was a brand-new car or brand-new track, and, you know, this year there was more beating and banging. Yep. Uh, Ryan Priest had a good finish. Uh, he he didn't. He finished seventh. He had fuel pump issues. Was uh, really one of those that looked like he uh, 
he was in the in the run to win it, man, wouldn't Tony Stewart look like a genius sitting up there uh, after making the call against uh, his other the other co-owner of Stewart Haas Racing, Mr. Gene Haas, by saying that you know he wanted to bring in Ryan Priest over Cole Custer. Uh, the fuel pump broke. The primary pump went bad. I don't know. I don't think we were close on fuel at first. I thought it was an ignition because usually when it's fuel, it just keeps cutting. So I shut off my alternator and all of my electrical stuff, and it seemed to help a little bit. It did. Four spots, so I just flipped the switch, and miracle happened. Ultimately, the car was so badass. It was so fast. We drove from 16th outside, inside, everything it took. I'm proud of the speed and happy for the opportunity, but it sucks giving them away. That just comes from my, first off, my grassroots experience, just working hard and having a fast race car. That was Ryan. That was from Ryan Priest. Uh, Austin Dillon, I hate it for Bubba Wallace. He had a good car and a good run. I know. I just know he sent me through the corner. I saved it three times through there. Then I was going to give the same, probably if it was a little too hard. My teammate let me try to get Truex at the end. That was nice. Been fun. Hopefully, we can do this more often. So, guy Austin Dillon, obviously surprised himself at his finish. Um, he just stuck it in there and. And it, and it went. So, uh, any guys, any of y'all have any thoughts on the drivers talked about? Yeah. Nope. All right. I I well, kind of felt nope. bad for Priest. You know, he he was very strong all throughout the race, and even with the the fuel pump, I mean, he still finished seventh. So it wasn't a totally devastating night for him. Yes. Nah, I, I, everything covered on my end for that. All right. All right. So uh, that is our, in case you missed it, topics. Uh, we'll go to the 110 Nation Sports Move of the Race. Of course, guys, short answers only. Craig Moore, what was your move of the race? Did we lose them? Uh, I'm not sure. Go ahead. Or is he muted? No, it's certainly he's there. Uh, uh, Taz, go ahead. What was your move of the race? Move of the race, honestly, was Austin Dillon punting Bubba Wallace. All right. Miss Lee, do you have a move of the race? Well, I just got a kick out of uh, how they figured out that they could punt somebody two cars ahead of them by using the car in between them. That was funny. <laughs> the ping pong effect. I'd have, to, I'd have to say that was my that was my move of the race as well, Ms. Lee. Yeah, I'd have to say the ping pong. From what I was able to see of it uh, yesterday morning, for some reason I couldn't get I couldn't get uh, Fox on our. <laughs> service. I don't know why we signed up for what was it, Sling or whatever. And for some reason, we couldn't get it. So I ended up having to watch. I got up at 4.30 Monday morning and tried to watch as much of it as possible before I left for the office. I just, I wasn't a fan of the racetrack last year. I'm not a fan this year. I, I really hope they get the hell out of L.A. and bring it back to one of the tracks that we're normally well, on that are in the south. Um, and lucky for you, Craig Moore, this topic is coming up real soon. So save what you got there 
for that next topic. Okay, that's why we got her to the ring. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna follow that. Now I do have to say that my move well, of the ring that y'all played off of. Yeah, that's why we make that though and send it out. It's pretty important. Um, my move of the race would be Kyle Busch. Uh, I don't know if you guys seen in the interviews. Jeff Gluck said uh, asked Kyle Busch how he was able to go from the rear to the front, and he said by passing cars, Jeff. So, um, pretty short answer there from KFB on how he went from the rear back to the front after being spun out. Um, all right, I believe it is time for the Race Chat Live sponsor shout out. Taz Taylor, will you uh, take care of that sponsor shout out for us, sir? Taz had to step t- out for a few, apparently. Oh. All right, so we don't have uh, we don't have the <laughs> we don't have the okay. All right, on to the next thing. Twitter of the week. Ryan McGee. Post LOL at NASCAR Twitter. Country artists do pre-race concerts at like 25 events per season. With Khalifa does a short halftime performance at an exhibition race in LA. And now the whole sport has been ruined forever. Y'all are soft. Ms. I Lee? said it. <laughs> I said it. I said it during the race. The music is not my cup of tea. But the music does not make the racing. So, you know, I, I'm not quitting watching NASCAR. So, I agree with Ryan that everybody that said that, you know, yeah, you're fair weather fans, whatever. Right. And, and no, I agree with Ryan. No, it definitely does not make the race, but, you know, I was looking at the fan, I was looking at the stands, rather, and it seemed like they emptied out after his performance, Um, so I wonder if did they come for the, did they come for the race, or did they come for the performance? If they came for the performance, well, then, you know, shame on them. But, and that and that was a point that I made the night of the race as well was, you know, what did they come for, the race or the music? Right, right, exactly. They, they I mean, come, because they, honestly, look, we the, the music last year. We were at Daytona last year, and Luke Combs was the was the the act. I've seen him in concert before, and I thought he was phenomenal. This year, last year at Daytona, I saw him. And I didn't think he was all that great. And he did about the same amount of music. So, I mean, but we stayed for the race. You know, we didn't right. just leave. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the biggest thing was the halftime, right? And, you know, of course, NASCAR doesn't normally have a halftime. But when you're doing an exhibition race at the L.A. Coliseum in the middle of uh, Los Angeles, you don't have a pit road or anything like that. Uh, you take you take a break, right? You you park the cars, you let them go to where they need to go and get uh, fuel and whatever it is they need to do, and uh, you put on a little halftime concert like uh, the NFL players. You know, I mean, look, we're not trying to make the NFL by any means. Where did we add a little bit of character and a little bit of downtime for the racers with some uh, you know side entertainment, of course, right? It didn't fit 
uh, what most NASCAR people listen to, but at the same time, like, look at the venue. Look at where it's at. When it's at Talladega, you're going to get Charlie Daniels and Brantley Gilbert. You know, when you're uh, when you're in L.A. or Chicago, you're probably going to get the types of music that their cultures have or that they, that they listen to predominantly. I promise you, uh, not everybody listens to country music, even in NASCAR. All right, we'll go to the next tweet of the week. It's Jeff Gluck. So they opened the press box windows during the Cypress Field concert, and suddenly the smell of weed wafted in from the stand. Laughing my ass off, NASCAR in 2023. Now, wait a minute. I don't think weed is new to NASCAR. Can, can I get anybody to verify that? Uh, I've been to a lot of races, and, uh, you know, not necessarily at the track because you, you're not allowed to smoke anymore while you're in the facility, uh, or especially at your stands. But uh, um, as for the, you know, surprise, surprise, there was weed smoke. I'm just not sure uh, that's such big news. Your thoughts on that, Ms. Lee? I think <laughs> we'll go to you. I You're a little bit older was, than us. <laughs> I think it was more um, more geared towards the the group, the music group, and the kind of fans that they attracted versus people smoking at the race. I, I, I think that's what it was. Because if you think about it, if you think about that band, you think about that song, and, you know, other songs that they were known for. And, yeah, that's I, – yeah. and and Jeff is probably closer to my age, too. So, you know, right. I, no I think surprise. that's where that's, he was coming from. Yeah, no surprise, really. I mean, you're in, you're in, you're in L.A. You're in the central you – know, dead center of Los Angeles. Um, you have a college, a major university that's right next door. It's recreational in the state of California. Uh, without a doubt. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but I'd much rather smell some weed than a damn cigarette. Uh, you know, that's just me. I'm sure um, I'm sure I'll have some haters on that one. But, uh, okay, those are the tweets of the week. We had two of them. Now we'll transition to hot asphalt, hot topics of the week. Uh, this is where we'll discuss the hottest topics that have come across the airwaves, and uh, we'll give a little bit of a discussion with those. Um I believe uh, Kyle Busch, surprise, surprise, TMZ, like, they they normally can dig trash on anybody, right? Like, if something happens in the world of actors and sports stars, normally TMZ is on it. How this one, that Kyle Busch got popped in Cancun, Mexico with a firearm, how that got up underneath uh, everybody's uh, radar, I I'm shocked, literally. Like, when the news first was reported, I said to myself, man, this is as bad as saying people die, and they didn't, right? I mean, what was your reactions when you found out that Kyle Bush got nailed with a firearm in Cancun? Your first reaction there, uh, Craig? Who the hell cares? He got caught with a firearm. I mean, how many times do you walk into a building and you realize, oh, crap, I got something I shouldn't have? I'll tell you, here's an example. About five years ago, I did a DJ gig at a school uh, in upstate New York, and the people that were helping us walked in. She had a she had a little uh, she had a concealed carry. She had it in her boot. We were in a school. She didn't even realize it. You know what? It wasn't made a big deal. 
because we didn't get let anything out. How he got away with it, who knows, who cares? It happened. He said it was an accident. It is what it is. It's like getting popped for marijuana now. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. My first thought was, why is he only packing a 380? I mean, that was the first thought that came to my mind was, why just a 380? Other than that, I could care less. And they did say on Race Hub last night that NASCAR is not going to penalize him or sanction him or anything over over this, as it well should be. I mean, it is what it is. If you carry, you carry. And sometimes you carry places you shouldn't be carrying. That's a fact of life. And you're Oh, I was on mute, y'all. I was on mute. You can't let me. You can't let me do that. Uh, yeah, I was. Listen, I, I've got caught a little cold here, and I've been kind of uh, uh, sniffing and all. So I put my microphone on mute. That way, I wouldn't uh, have it picked up in the in the podcast replay. So my bad on that. Um, back to where we were. Cowboys get snow with farm in Cancun. Look, you know, uh, thank goodness it was it was a a charter jet, right, and not, you know, American Airlines or something. Obviously, uh, carrying a private, uh, carrying a firearm on a private flight is one thing. When you're getting on to a uh, commercial flight with a firearm, you're going to face a lot more penalty. Um, uh, you know, I think we're all kind of confused on the three-and-a-half-year uh, jail sentence. That's kind of, I think, what probably made most people believe the article was false. Because, of course, you know, uh, three. we knew that Kyle Bush was racing in California. How could he have been sentenced uh, to, to three and a half years of prison? Um, did the fine come out to probably be a little bit more than $1,100 American U.S. dollars? Probably so. It was probably quite a, a check written out to somebody's foundation or, or, or uh, you know, the city bank or whatever Kyle Bush needed to Somebody do to get out of that pickle. Yeah. And how Kyle Bush was able to pay off people from being from reporting that, I, I do not know. And I think NASCAR was either they. I would almost believe that NASCAR was pre-informed of what happened. Like Kyle Bush probably notified NASCAR immediately, and under the guidelines that hey, we can probably keep this quiet. It's best that we do that, and then possibly. You know, there was a leak somewhere, obviously, you know, any time that there's information. If you think that you can keep a secret in this world, you have lied to yourself. And that's a perfect example of it right there because nothing can stay a secret forever. Um, and on top of that, how many, how many NASCAR fans do you think would find that offensive? Not many, I right, think. Right, No, 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 not very many at all. All right, so I think we all kind of agree where Kyle Bush sits in that situation. You know, hey, glad that uh, he didn't turn out like that Jenner girl, right, Brittany Jenner or whatever. Uh, who knows? We would have probably had to have traded off uh, uh, what's his name's uh, uh, El Chapo's son in order to get uh, to get our Kyle Bush back, and there would have been all kinds of people up in arms about that, right? 
it would have been a lot exactly. of upside down people. We cannot trade El Chapo's son for Kyle freaking Bush. I can just hear the headlines now. All right. So that's uh, that's that. Uh, hot, hot asphalt, hot topic number two. Drivers reporting hard rear impacts and carbon monoxide, question mark, question mark, question mark. I listened to Denny Hamlin's podcast, and I'm surprised that he wasn't evaluated for head concussion protocol. He clearly stated on his podcast that today he was not feeling well. Uh, At the moment, at the recording, I guess that would have been yesterday on Monday, he was not feeling too well. he complained about the rear impact uh, 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 contact, and he also uh, made a statement about some carbon, possibly some carbon monoxide poisoning. Um, now, you know, did he, did, I, I didn't listen, Craig. Did or I'm sorry, Chris. Did he correlate the rear end hard hits with the carbon monoxide, or were those two different things? They were kind of said together. Like he was like, I don't know, you know, maybe maybe a little carbon monoxide or something because he was he was just saying that he didn't feel too well. It wasn't wasn't up to one hundred percent. That there was still a lot of jerking going on, and he was sore uh, from the car. Of course, you know they got a red they caught a red eye, right? Or, or personal fight. Of course, what I understood was JGR's flight was delayed because Martin Truex Jr. Uh, did not, uh, you know, he was not quick to leave. Uh, the celebration, and they only tar- they only brought one airplane, uh, so the okay. entire JGR team had to fly back together. And Freddie Kraft had mentioned that they didn't get home until seven o'clock uh, Monday morning. So Denny Hamlin could have possibly done a podcast like with no sleep at all. So you know whether or not that it was very surprising how he said it as well. And, and I'll do a, a screen record and share it with you guys later on after the after the show. And kind of let you guys put your thoughts together on what you thought. Because I, my honest first reaction was, holy crap, if NASCAR hears this, they should probably, like, show up to his house and say, okay, let's go down here and do a protocol, you know? Like, whether it be yeah. uh, testing his blood for possible carbon monoxide poison <laughs> or by, you know, put him in, putting him in a in, in, uh, 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 concussion protocol. Because at some point in time, We've got to address this issue. These drivers are saying that the car is not absorbing the energy like it should. So uh, right. I don't think that we should take – I don't think – anytime a driver complains of not feeling well the next day, uh, I'm all for putting them straight off into some kind of protocol. Well, the reason I, the reason I asked about, you know, whether there was any correlation between the two is because you've got to remember they put these new mufflers on the car. And they rerouted the exhaust systems for these mufflers. And look what happened to Ty Gibbs' car. So, you know, that's why I'm wondering if the carbon monoxide issue was separate from the rear hits. Or maybe the rear hits were doing damage to the way they rerouted the mufflers. And that was the carbon monoxide. You know, you got a couple things going on there that could all be interrelated. Right, and, and all of that points to the safety once the safety concern once again for this particular car. You know, there's obvious. Well, that's my that's my deal. But, yeah. but also for this 
uh, you know, for this particular race? And where else are they planning to use these uh, supposed muffler systems? And are they going to take a look at that in light of a Ty Gibbs fire and B, you know, Denny's thinking that it could be carbon monoxide? Right. Yeah, obviously there's something going on, and uh, NASCAR needs to uh, get to the bottom of it. Have we got Taz back yet? Taz, are you there? Unfortunately, I believe there's a, an incident. She grabbed a cup of coffee or something. Hopefully, hopefully everything's okay. Uh, wait on our partner there. Come back on. So, uh, Craig, what are your thoughts? Drivers reporting a hard rear hit and possible carbon monoxide. Well, I mean, it's a terrible thing, and I agree. They should have, you know, everybody should go under some type of protocol. I agree with Chris. If if you're saying that you got a headache and you've got carbon monoxide or whatever, NASCAR should start taking that stuff serious. They've got to do something with these cars. They they claim these cars were uber safe last year, and we've seen more fires and more more incidents and more drivers bitching. And there's a quarter for the jar. Uh, about these cars, then they are safe. So they've got to do something. I don't know what they're going to do. Are are they running these mufflers all year or just at select tracks? Just at select tracks, and I don't know which one's off the top of my head. Chicago Race Course is the only other track that I know that comes to mind that this is being implemented at. But I believe there are a couple of other race tracks. Nashville Fairgrounds, I believe, is one of those that's in consideration because the people of Nashville have complained continuously that they can't stand the noise, even though they built. Yeah, they've got that stupid uh, noise ordinance. Yeah, they, they they built a house around the racetrack, and now they're upset about the noise. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think NASCAR has got to do something. But these cars, I mean, these cars don't appear to be any safer than the last ones. And if they don't do something, drivers are going to seriously get hurt. Or you're not going to have any drivers left because they're going to be under NASCAR protocol for concussions for weeks on end. Right. All right. Well, uh, things are moving a little bit faster now because we're missing a a co-host. But uh, hopefully we'll be able to get him in again before the turn of the top of the hour. our next topic, I believe one was scratched, and we added this one because it has come to our acknowledgement that Joe Gibbs has denied Christopher Bell a chance to race on dirt tracks. I mean, whoa, right? Like, what year is Joe Gibbs living in? You know, and so uh, according to uh, sources, uh, the reason why Christopher Bell was able to race and continue racing uh, in, in the dirt tracks was because he had a certain uh, deal with Coy, and Coy approved it over Joe Gibbs. And I guess being the position that Coy held as the president of the company, his his you know what he what he said goes. And uh, now that Coy has passed away, and Joe Gibbs is the uh, once again the CEO of the company, he has denied Christopher Bell any opportunities to race on dirt. Guys, is that a big red flag? I mean, where are we at right now by limiting 
these drivers where they can and can't race. It just seems like that's something uh, that, that has been tried before, but it doesn't necessarily work most of the time. Uh, what are your thoughts? Let's start with you, Ms. Lee. I call BS, personally. I don't think it's fair of Coach to do that to him. I don't care that it was Coy that said he could, and now Joe says no. It's not fair to Christopher Bell. Look at how Larson being allowed to run dirt races has had such positive impact on how he races in NASCAR. You know, and 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 Christopher's been doing this, and to take it away from him, it, it's just it's not fair, at all not in right. my mind. No, no, he should honor the the deal that Coy had already set in place for Christopher Bell. I'm sure that was part of the deal in order to sign the contract, right? With Joe Gibbs Racing, was that he would be a, uh, you know, he made that deal exactly. with Coy, and that, and it should be honored by Joe Gibbs. We're we're learning a little bit more and more about Joe Gibbs. Uh, the deeper we get into this, and I'm just not so sure that we, he is the guy who we thought he was. Well, and you know, and not only that, you know what? It, Christopher Bell is pretty much currently the redhead, redheaded stepchild at JGR. So if I were him, I don't know when his contract is up. But if I were him, I'd start looking elsewhere, and I'd start looking for somebody that's going to allow him to run his his side races. All right. Do you want? I mean, yeah, Craig, go ahead. Yeah, no, I don't. I I agree. Actually, I don't really care for Coach Gibbs anymore, but I, I tend to agree. He's got an investment in Christopher Bell. He wants Ooh, to protect his investment. I like it. Finally, with some disagreement here. Bell goes out and gets hurt, and then what? Then where does that leave his team? So, yeah, it sucks for Bell, but in the long run, Bell's going to benefit from the – Bell's going to benefit from it, I think. Just being able to focus on one – on asphalt. Even though Kyle Larson, the best season he ever had, he was given more freedom to race uh, dirt cars than ever before and had the best season he ever had. I, I don't know, Craig. I'm kind of up in the air on this one. I think that uh, in this day and age, you don't limit your driver. Uh, he, It's not like you can't replace the guy, and it's not like you can't put in the cause, hey, if you get hurt in one of these, we don't have to pay you, right? I mean, we're talking lawyers. We're talking 2023. Uh, there's ways around this, and cutting the boy uh, an opportunity to go out there and, and do what he loves to do and stay focused on racing. I, I'm just I'm just not a fan of that. And I think that Joe Gibbs, in the end, it will hurt the operation. You need a guy like Christopher Bell to stick around and invest in your organization, Joe Gibbs. You got Denny Hamlin. He's not going to race for too many more years, right? You got your grandson. We don't know what the hell he's going to do. You got Martin Truex Jr. He's gone in a couple of years once again. Christopher Bell is the future patriarch of your organization. You don't start that off by saying, hey, uh, we're not going to let you race uh, any outside races out, uh, in a dirt track. And basically coming out saying, I hate dirt track racing. Like, 
what is that? Where, where do you come off of that, Jim Gibbs? Like, seriously, we already have a hard enough time trying to join the two fan bases together. Now we have a freaking car owner out there saying, I hate dirt track racing? I mean, seriously, I don't even know where that, why that was even uh, said like that. Anybody got any type, uh, anything to finish up on that with? Anybody have anything to add to that? <laughs> there we go. Yeah, we didn't hear from Taz yet, I don't believe. Man, it's the top of the hour, too. It's time for the stat of the week. Stat of the week, stat of the week, stat of the week, stat of the week. It's time for the stat of the week. All right. Uh, Adam Stone, Fox TV, earned a 2.01 rating and a 3.647 million viewers for Sunday's second edition of the Bush Light Clash at the L.A. Coliseum, down 15% from the inaugural edition, which drew a 2.32 rating and a 4.283 million viewership. The race was the second most watched sports event of the weekend after the Pro Bowl, and the top five local markets for Sunday's race were Charlotte, Greensboro, both of them in North Carolina. Charlotte with a 5.2, Greensboro with a 4.0, Indianapolis a 3.3, Phoenix a 2.9, and Hartford a 2.8. The disappointing thing to that is, being that they were in L.A., I think we were all kind of hoping that maybe, you know, they would have broke the end of that top five there in viewership. But I'd like to see the numbers that, that were recorded uh, from from that 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 area there. Um, the race faced competition from the Grammys on CBS. I would beg to differ. There was no competition between what I watched on TV and what some people, I guess, may have watched on Sunday night. Does anybody even want to cover it? Go even mention what the heck they seen on the Grammys, right? I mean, holy crap! Yeah, well, I haven't watched the Grammys in probably 20 years, and the Pro Bowl <laughs> anyhow. So, yeah, yeah, I don't. I, I think uh, I think I would have uh, enjoyed the Pro Bowl had it not been conflicting with the race, uh, being that the Manning brothers were uh, there, and I, and I heard that it turned out really well uh, from what was uh, the Pro Bowl the last couple of years. So. Um, that's a all right. That is tweet of the week. Now we'll go off into our time by man. We are transitioning to headlines, black flag, checker flag, and uh, Craig. This is where you'll have the opportunity to express how you feel about the clash. Um, Dalton Hopkins come out with that was fun he's a he's a writer uh, for the front stretch um that was on nascar let's never do it for points was the name of the article i'm going to start with you craig since you were already vocal <laughs> what do you what do you think about the title of that uh of that article black flag or checker flag that was fun nascar let's never do it for points i agree 
again, I'll reiterate, get it the hell out of L.A., bring it back to a track that we run at. Obviously, the numbers were down from last year. Um, I tend to agree. Um, the Pro Bowl doesn't much matter, and neither does this all-star race. The only difference is we've been without racing for two months. So we as a NASCAR community are anxious to see it. But I think that they need to get it back to get it back to an actual track, not try to turn a Coliseum into a track. They might they might be able to fill up. Um, if they want to do that, put it at Bowman Gray. Right. You know, put it at Bowman Gray. Go. Bring it to a track oh. that has some history. Go ahead, Chris. No, I mean, I was impressed with the attendance. I think the attendance was great there at the track. Do I want to see this done for points? No, because the format's not going to fit for points, right? I mean, you're starting 27 cars. Now, I do understand that there could be uh, places uh, given for 28 through the 36th or 40th, or however many cars you want to start or however many cars are there. Um, I, I do understand that you could actually have a finishing order with just 27 cars outside of, you know, where they finished in their B main or heat racing. I guess B main would be uh, last chance qualifier would be how they would finish uh, lined up in that race, as I'm trying to say. Uh, but, uh, you know, outside of that, the format, it just doesn't fit. Um, I don't want to do this for points, guys. I want this to be, uh, like you said, Craig, it's been two months since we've been racing. We're just glad to be back. We're doing it in a different venue, and it's going to have some music that we probably don't listen to. But all in all, we're just happy to see the drivers back in race cars. And it's a really, really, really – it's a quarter-mile racetrack, right? It's one of the most racetracks that you can visit all throughout the country. And the drivers uh, don't mind leaning on each other through some of this race, which is something that, you know, you don't necessarily get at all the other tracks. So I, I am for it, but uh, I, I love the race. I definitely do not uh, want to see uh, this turned into a points-paying event. Ms. Lee, what are your thoughts? I I agree with Craig. I I. I... We've tried this two years in a row. I think it's had its time. Take it back. Take it to a track, like Craig said, that has some kind of history, you know, like Bowman Gray, something that is mm, more, quote, unquote, normal, but something something that's, that's a one-off. Maybe keep it exclusive. Um, you know, somewhere where we don't race all the time, but somewhere where there's more of a uh, more of a racing background, I guess. You know, and and I, I I like that they do the heat races. I like that they do the last chance qualifier, all of that. And I have no problem with the format, but I just think it needs to be at an actual track. I, I don't think that the Coliseum's quite cutting it. All right. Taz Taylor, is, uh, have we gotten Taz like it? Uh, to the right. headline, I oh, think there he is. The headline, to the headline, I say 
checkered flag because it doesn't need to be a points-paying race. However, I'm on the same page of moving it to moving it out of the LA Coliseum. How do I propose on the clash? Well, I can understand in the sense why they scheduled how they scheduled, with the clash being an off weekend for football, pretty much. I mean, yeah, there's the Pro Bowl, but to me, it's still an off weekend, and. You want the Daytona 500 to not compete with the Super Bowl. So how can we fix that in a sense? Well, Clash, I I get they want to do it on a prime time date. So to me personally, I would say you start Speed Week Saturday right before the Super Bowl. So the day right before the Super Bowl, run the Clash. Then you keep the Speed Weeks going. And where do you have the clash? Running at Daytona on the backstretch. Bring back the battle at the beach. You're still in oh, Daytona. Oh, yeah. There you go. I like that idea. Battle of the beach. Bring it back. Put the cut drivers on there. Does anybody and remember? You, Lee, do you they remember can, the battle they of the beach? still run that format, too. If, I'd be okay right. with it. Yeah, that's where we got to see the Bubba Wallace and the Kyle Larson and uh, before they were big. Run the Battle of the Beach. You're at Daytona. That's how you start your speed week. Saturday, right before the Super Bowl, you're not really competing with it. But you're still, because with the L.A. Coliseum, with it being ran this weekend, or last weekend, this upcoming weekend, there's no racing. So it kind of kills the momentum of speed weeks, in in my opinion. So that's why I'm saying bring the clash Bring it, bring back the Battle of the Beach, Daytona backstretch. You can keep that format that you're running now. Do it on a Saturday, right before the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl has their day on Sunday, and then you run your practice qualifying duels throughout the week and lead up to Daytona 500. Yeah, because one thing that has been hurting all this is Speed Weeks. And what Speed Weeks was for dirt track racing was it was the lead up to the two weeks in Daytona. And over the years, Speed Weeks has been on the dirt side, you know, turned into this six-week deal. And now NASCAR has, uh, you know, moved the clash and the Daytona Speed Weeks, which was traditionally two weeks long, and they have made it into, uh, you know, a a five-day event. So, you know, it's definitely uh, changed up the way that things have been done. And I'm with you, uh, Taz. Um, put it on the Battle of the Beach, man. I'm telling you, that would be so cool. I, I love that idea. That should have been that should have already been done. You know, because it keeps it keeps it important. It keeps Daytona. The reason why everybody wants to go to Daytona and start the season is because it's warm there, right? <laughs> Craig. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's I don't know. I think that if they keep it in Daytona, do it, Taz. Bring it back to Daytona, do it, Taz. Says I think they're going to find that it's it's successful if they don't want to do a quick bombing press. Yeah, I mean, it may be too early to end the season and do it at Bowman Gray based off of weather, but I, I do like the battle. The battle at the beach. On Tuesday, I think this whole, uh, the whole week ahead, off. Please. I think this whole week off 
in between the clash and speed weeks definitely is not only it's a bummer for us as race fans but i i think that it also ruins the momentum for nascar you know you want you're going to grab them with something unique and then let's go on to the beginning of our season. Let's keep right. that momentum going. Let's not stop. I, I, I think that just the break itself is is a bad thing. Yep, downtime. So I've, I've worked uh, next to Mr. Donald Parker from Hattiesburg Speedway for 10 years, and one of his biggest things is he's, you know, he opens up one week and then the next week, He's not able to build on that momentum uh, because the other tracks are opening up and they have big races as well. This is a perfect example, keeping the audience's attention. Like, we just had a big event. So next week, the new people that were uh, exposed to NASCAR, well, they're going to be looking for something. So at least start the Daytona Speed Week on Sunday and run qualifying like we have uh, before. I do know that that's probably not going to happen because now the Super Bowl uh, and the Daytona 500 are, you know, a week apart. So um, it is unfortunate, uh, but that's why we used to run the class on that Saturday, right? And we gave uh, – well, actually, up until just a couple of years ago, uh, there was no conflict of interest. It was actually a two-week break in between the Super Bowl. But, but of course, NFL – uh, expanded their season by one game. No, well, that's a Dalton Hopkins article. We'll jump over to Matt Weaver. Matt Weaver said, this is kind of similar to, they, I was kind of up in the air on whether to keep this one, but I thought I'd, you know, just in case, I would go to this. Class is a spectacle, the Winston of our time. And I think that is the perfect title, right? I give, it a, I give that a checkered flag. Like, if there was ever a checkered flag title, that's the one right there, right? Because that shows exactly how I feel. I liked the Winston. I liked uh, the show, the spectacular show that they put on. And I feel like this is kind of similar to that, right? And so uh, I have to give a a checkered flag to Matt Weaver's article, A Clash is a Spectacle, the Winston of Our Time. Three more. Flag, flag, checkered flag. Black flag, I, I have to go with NASCAR and their issues with this car. Checkered flag, Martin Joex Jr. for uh, getting it done, and despite all his outside uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? Outside distraction, uh, being able to put them away and uh, – uh, bring home the checkered flag. This uh, actually two, two checkered flags. Uh, and Kevin Harvick finally deciding that he's going to hang it up and be a, you know, concentrate on driving. Oh, wrong answer. He's going to the Fox booth. <laughs> but uh, you know, checkered flag for him to know when, when to fold him and concentrate on. You know, something outside of running week to week where he'll be with he'll be able to spend more time with his kids 
and you know, he may not have to be the track so early in the week. So that's my black flag, second flag. All right. All right. <laughs> Lee. Matt Weaver had a title um, or clash as a spectacle at the Winston of our time. What are your thoughts? Black flag, chicken flag. Yeah. I I I kind of black flag it. I don't I don't think it's I I don't think that this particular venue is that momentous. Um, you know, as we discussed, I, I, I think we could find a better place that could make it more momentous than than it was. Nas Park, keep thinking outside the box. That's that, that, that's my idea for that. Uh, yeah, exactly. Cash. I mean, they, they should they should keep trying new places, but you know, like I said earlier, okay, we've done this two years in a row. It's it's done. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, we had there was you know good attendance, but again, as we discussed earlier, who was there for the race and who was there for the music, you know, and if it you know that to me, uh, you know. She just shows me that that LA is not a place for racing. I'd love to see it at the Cowboys Stadium. I would love to see this type of event at Yankee Stadium. Don't stop here in NASCAR. Go to these other events, right? What you proved is you can do this, just like the Gateway proved that we can still race in the dome. You know, this is uh, this. Don't don't limit yourself, right? Yeah, it was good, but give us something else to to salivate over. Give us something else exactly. to, uh, to say, wow, look what we've done here. Exactly. I agree with that, Nicholas. Black flag, checker flag. Is it more than a spectacle? Uh, I'm on the side of Miss Lee, black flag, that, because you did the class, and... You would think you would either even out in ratings or improve, and it didn't even balance out. You went down, and it kind of now NASCAR needs to sit here and say, "All right, we went down in viewership. We tried this out. Where is it? The location? Is it the format? Like, how can they go back?" Personally, for me, like I said before, I like the format. Um, it doesn't feel like a second all-star race, I guess you can say, because remember the class before was the class before was always past race winners or, um, like past pole winners and such like that. Right. So now you got everybody involved. So everybody's basically in the same playing field in terms of starting out the season. And like Miss Lee said, try try different places. You've done the clash. Try somewhere else. I would prefer to be at Daytona. Like I I've said where I prefer it, but if it can't be at Daytona, move it closer. But keep the speed weeks rolling. 
is this come down to where we don't know the difference between the All Star and the Clash? I mean, is that that's the point that we're at now with these two exhibition races? We can't really tell which one is which. Of course, the All Star race for years was Charlotte, right? I mean, that's where it always was, other than one year uh, before they moved it uh, to Bristol and then to Texas. Um, the Clash was always at Daytona. They moved it, which just kind of feels like. We're doing, we're maybe mimicking what we would normally do in the all-star race to kind of fit the clash. When the clash, as you said, and everybody agrees, like the clash is supposed to be at Daytona, right? This is, this is the lead up to speed weeks because they are supposed to qualify a week in advance. You have a whole week of celebrating the pole winner for the Daytona 500, and that's just not tradition anymore. NASCAR has broken a lot of traditions. I'm just, I'm just very, you know, torn on this one. We could have an L.A. race any time of the year in L.A., right? It could be December. It could be, it could be July. Like, there's, there's one, you know, that's one place where I think it's always 75 degrees and sunny, right? Uh, that's what I've always heard about L.A. So this race could uh, take place at just about any, you know, any time of year. Um, maybe, maybe I thought here is what I said. Let's move this race to our all-star event and bring the clash back to Daytona and, you know, let's get some state racing going on because uh, it's, it's very unfortunate that we're just going to go straight into speed weeks and go to qualifying. They're not even going to have practice. Yeah, I don't like the long break in between. I just, like, I was totally confused. I'm like, all right, so when are we doing qualifying? Are we doing it? Before or what are we doing? So I don't like the long break in between. I think it's ridiculous and NASCAR needs to figure it out. As I've said before, it, the, the old schedule was class on Saturday, qualifying on Sunday, and then you had Monday and Tuesday to do all your media stuff for Daytona, and then on Wednesday you had a practice, on Thursday you had the duels, and then you set yourself up for the rest of the weekend, right? And you wouldn't have a you wouldn't have a practice after the duels because you know you're you're basically locking the cars down for the Daytona 500. Now that's completely changed, and we've got a more consolidated event schedule. To me, that's a big. I mean, it's not on here, but that's a big black flag. NASCAR, bring back Speed Weeks, make Speed Weeks great again, NASCAR. Let's move on to the next one. And we've talked about this before, but this comes from an F1 driver. Uh, F1 Logan Sargent claims uh, F1 will overtake his most popular motorsports in America in the upcoming years. Black flag, checker flag. I'll start with myself. I give a big black flag to you, Logan Sargent. How dare you say what you think America wants just because you're a driver for Formula One. Of course you would say that. There's no legitimacy to what you're saying because – be honest with you, at least you can tell a NASCAR from an Indy car or a Formula One car, but you sure as hell can't tell the difference between a Formula One car and an Indy car. So if I didn't pull out my inner Taz Thompson there, shout out to my buddy, long live Taz. Black flag, Logan Sargent. Take that back to F1. Like, I like F1, but, the, but come on, dirt racing, shit. I mean, compared to really, dirt racing gets a bad rap, but you add up all the dirt fans around the world and they're, uh, around the nation, there's probably just as many dirt fans as it is NASCAR fans. So I'm not sure that NASCAR is the most popular motorsports 
uh, in the nation. But obviously, you you know, Formula One has a good thing going right now. But uh, whether or not they'll come over as America's favorite, look. You know, the Chicago race is $300 a ticket, right? Formula One races. Like, when they come to uh, to Austin, Texas, it's like 600 to to $1,000 for a ticket. You go to Talladega, 50 bucks gets you in for the whole weekend, man. So, you know, Formula One's on a totally different scale anyways when it comes to, uh, to, to the involvement of the community in racing. Uh, your thoughts, Black Flag. Or a checker flag, Logan Sargent. If anybody gives a checker flag here, I'm going to fire you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Formula One, Logan Sargent claims F1 will overtake as the most popular motorsports in America in the upcoming years. Craig, please disagree. Black, black flag, I know. I can't disagree with you. Um, I agree with you, Chris. I think the guy's, on, I think the guy's smoking more pot than, uh, well, some of the people. That I know. That, that, um, that run I don't show. know. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know where he gets off with saying that. Although he is a he is a driver, so I kind of I kind of understand that that's where he sees it. But as you said, how the hell can you afford to go to a race? You can't. the The cost to go into the race is just too damn expensive, and you know. A, a family can't do that. So right, right. Imagine buying six he's on, tickets on thousand dollars. He's on some serious drugs, and I'd like some because I can make some money with well, them in Henry County down here. I, I might so can you, add that twenty-one races, two or three races in America. They have a twenty-two race season, so of course it's a madhouse when they come to our region, right? Hopefully, <laughs> take this, take this. And tell them what you're going to give them. Well, all I have to say is that Formula One has no history in the United States like NASCAR does. Right. Period. So don't tell me you're going to come over here and you're going to best us. Right, right, right. That didn't work out too well for the Britons, did it? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you know, it, 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 Formula One, and and I again, I you know, like you said, I like Formula One. I enjoy watching it, but that is a totally different breed of fan. And we, I think, we had this discussion either last week or. In our chats, IndyCar is a, a totally different breed of fan from NASCAR. You know, NASCAR has roots, and that's why they call the lower series, they group them under right. NASCAR roots. Right. So, no, Formula One is not going to take over America. Like you said, what do they do? Two races here a year, no one can afford to go to? Yeah, right. I ain't buying it. That's what I'm talking about. That's the way to punch them out, Miss Lee. All right, Taz. Black flag. F1 is its own animal. 
Um, and uh, honestly, in my opinion, I would have to say F1, they can keep coming to America for their one or two races for their entire season a year. But let's let's face it. Are they going to really keep investing and in running in America every year for the long term? I think so. They are bringing in uh, Michael, you know, Michael and Marco Andretti into the fold, and Ford is getting back into Formula One. I'm not, I'm not down in the popularity of Formula One, but I think we can all agree Formula One's got to overtake IndyCar before they can set their eyes on NASCAR. Like, right? Like, are you going to really get rural America to buy into Formula One the way that rural America bought into the grassroots racing of NASCAR? I, I doubt that. I doubt that. Because as much as everybody wants to be different, the fact of it is, is it did start on dirt and it wound up on pavement. Shout out to Kyle Bronson in victory lane tonight at East Bay. He did the job. He just won the race. Mark Whitner, Whitner finished second. I believe our homeboy, Mr. Excitement himself, Spencer Hughes, comes home third. So congratulations, uh, Mr. Spencer Hughes. Oh, is that a heat race? Dead dummit. Okay. Well, wait a minute. This may be heat race number three. I just kind of walked in here, so I don't know. But uh, Bronson did pick up the win there. But, uh, yeah, uh, back to uh, where we were. Um, F1's got a long way to go before they can really claim, you know, that they're grassroots. When we start seeing American drivers, such as Kevin Harvick's son, Keelan, who would, you know, say that he wants to drive Formula 1, when we start seeing that more prevalent, uh, I believe that's when we should be concerned. When you have NASCAR names, uh, generational drivers that have decided to go the op- the other route, I think that's when the uh, the real clues, the telltale would be. But right now, I mean, look, ride your popularity. Be glad Netflix did a special little series for you guys and got you popular. And be very thankful that Lewis Hamilton hasn't won eight championships in a row uh, because as it did with NASCAR, it kills the series. And, and popularity and viewership when the same guy wins the championship every year. And that was something that I think we were forgotten about. For seven years, Formula One sucked because it was won by one guy all year long. And even this past year, I believe Max Verstappen won like 12 races out of 22 events or 13 races out of 22 events. You know, it, it, until there's some uh, parity, until there's some variety in Formula One, Y'all, Dalton Sargent and Logan Sargent, y'all, y'all just focus on get, getting fans to be fans, you know, to follow you so that uh, you can live up to that statement. Anybody else got anything yeah. on that black flag, chicken flag? Go ahead, Miss Lee. And Keelan Harvick is how old? And is he that old already? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Anyhow, so he's that old. Mm-hmm. And has his sights set on Formula One, but what's he doing now? Is he doing? Is he's kart he racing over a, in, in Europe. He's a, right. He's in kart. That's fine. But how many people in kart end up going the NASCAR route? And you know, late speed Patrick. Yeah, and see where she's she's at right now. <laughs> right. So I, you know, I I I get what you're saying, Chris, about more established American drivers getting into F1, 
may make it more popular, but will it be more popular than NASCAR? Mm, I'm still not convinced. Yeah. All right. Connor Daly. Will attempt the Daytona 500. The reason why I put this in black pie checkered flag, it wasn't a mistake. I'm going to take I'm going to take it this route. Elio Castroneves was guaranteed a Daytona 500 start if he won a SRX race, right? Now all of a sudden, Elio doesn't get a chance to race the Daytona 500, but Connor Daly does. Black flag or checkered flag? Because I'm kind of up in the air with this. Like, you know, I wanted the fulfillment, the 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 promise fulfilled for Halio. But now here we got Connor Bailey. Are we just making too much of this with bringing Indy cars drivers over to NASCAR? I'm gonna give a black flag to it all. I, I think it's all overhyped. Well, I don't know. I, I think if Halio was supposed to. Okay, Greg. Go ahead. Greg. I think Helio was supposed to get it, and he didn't get it. What was the underlying yeah, yeah. reason he didn't do it? Like, uh, why he didn't get the ride? We're not really sure. Not really sure. I mean, the guy's got the credentials. He's got four Daytona. I mean, four uh, IndyCar, Indy 500 wins. So uh, I'm not sure where contract negotiations got. Although I do know Connor Daly had made a start previously with the money team Mayweather. Uh, back at the Roval, I believe, in Charlotte, which kind of gave him, I guess, an upper hand in the operation. But Claude Grala also, I thought, was the primary driver for uh, this Mayweather team, which is actually, you know, being run by the Uries. So, um, you know, I don't really know how much money even Floyd Mayweather is even putting into this team. Uh, I do know that the Furies, it's Fury Racing by the Uries, so... Um, I give it a black flag, like I said, because I mean, I, you know, I think we're, I, I, I think now it's just like the cross crossover has kind of gotten out of hand, especially when you got certain drivers that are promised to ride, and then you wind up with, you know, a Travis Pastrana and a Connor Daly. You know, it's like, can't we make sure that we fulfill our promises? If we're going to give a guy based on a 500 ride, let's make sure he gets a ride, right? So, I mean, I, I black flag on that. I'm sure uh, each of you will have your own. Uh, Craig, did you give that a black flag or a chicken flag? I gave it a black flag, Chris. I just, uh, I, if Helio Castaneves can't do it, what it makes, I don't know. I just, I don't think it's a good idea. Um, it makes me wonder on a lot of things how much money is passing hands and how much money didn't pass hands on the other deal. I don't care who promised who to what. Money is the money is the root of all racing, not just the money of root of all evil. It's the money of all racing. If money's involved. Yeah, right. You know. Sure. Is the driving factor. Miss Lee. Connor Daly will attempt the Daytona five hundred. Black flag or chicken flag? Well, you know I'm gonna black flag it just because Helio was guaranteed that seat, and that's just it's it's not fair. Uh, you know, Connor might do okay, but Helio would have been a true contender. So that's where I stand. 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, Taz, what, what your black flag, checker flag, Connor Daly will attempt the Daytona 500. I'm giving part half black flag, half checkered flag on this one. Oh. Half black flag because a little undecisive. Yeah, because of the whole Helio Castro Nevis deal and whatever. But um, checker flag in the sense that it's still good to see somebody outside <clears throat> who's Connor Daly's known for obviously through IndyCar. So having a a non NASCAR driver attempt the Daytona 500 and expanding um, the number of drivers to attempt a NASCAR race. That's kind of, I feel like that is a positive for NASCAR. But again, this is where it sucks for Helio Castroneves who literally uh, went out of his way, talked to Hawk, and said, if I come race Five Flag Speedway, a race I wasn't even supposed to originally be at with SRX, and win that, then you got to give me a seat. And there you go. Boom. He did yeah. that. Broken promises, man. I don't like that, right? I mean, that's like you said, Don Hawk made that promise, and unfortunately, it's getting broken. But yet, here's a you know whether or not that should have anything to do with Connor Daly, I'm not sure. You know, but at the same time, uh, it kind of steals the limelight, regardless, right? Uh, and you know, here's Helio Castroneves not getting uh, the promise. That was given to him. Now, who knows? Maybe it was more extensive, and NASCAR wasn't going to let Halio just start the Daytona 500. I think that that has been an issue before in the past. I believe that was an issue with Danica Patrick. She had to run the Arca race and the Xfinity race uh, before she was given clearance to run the Daytona 500, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, I, I do understand maybe that was something that hindered it, but uh, just leaving us out in the open and not letting us know. Uh, why Helio didn't get that nod and why Connor Daly did, uh, that's definitely um, the point of that being in black flag, check flag. All right. Well, we're going to send it off into turn four. That means we're getting ready for the end of the show. Uh, we breezed through most of this. Uh, I believe uh, we've done really well on time management here tonight. So I do want to thank you guys for – uh, being quick with the response and not dragging uh, the show out. Uh, we got Daytona Speed Weeks coming up, but not this week. It's, it's next week. So if y'all want to add anything uh, to the uh, to the upcoming uh, show, or I mean, kind of open floor here, we can talk about. I do have some topics that we missed uh, that I did write down. First of all, uh, we do want to remember. Uh, Miss Martha Jarrett, who passed away. Uh, Ned Jarrett's longtime wife uh, passed away a couple of days ago, and the NASCAR family, of course, mourns at the loss of a, such a great woman. Like if you know, uh, I think we can all remember when Dale, the Dale and Dale show, when Ned Jarrett said Martha's down in the van. You know, she can't watch, and, and the images of Martha covering her face and all. 
as the closing lap of the Daytona 500. I think that that's probably what will stick out uh, the most uh, when you mentioned Miss Martha Jarrett. Hey, have you guys got any uh, memories of Martha other than that one? I do not. No, I don't either. All right. We'll jump on to the things we missed. Uh, another topic, uh, Zane Smith uh, has been uh, promoted to a uh, part-time driver with the Front Row Motorsports Cup team. He will race five races in the 38 car, a six-race schedule. Of course, he's going to attempt to qualify the 36 machine for Front Row Motorsports. Uh, I believe this has a lot to do with so, uh, money. So yes. that actually, um, Zane Smith's contract with that 38 car is that he could run up to six races. So... And that's those six races are outside the Daytona 500. Yeah. Uh-oh. Well, Jay Ski was reporting that six races uh, and five of them will be in the 38 machine. So I believe uh, – uh, let me check it out real quick. It won't take me to do this to figure it out. I, I know Talladega is one of them. Uh, let's see real quick. Well, I think this is all just a, such a slap in the face to Todd Gilliland. I mean, yeah, okay, so maybe maybe Zane can bring some sponsorship, but this does this not make Todd ineligible for yeah. a championship? Yeah, exactly. But remember, Todd David is the is the co-conspirator here, guys. He he took a truck team that was funded by Ford and flipped the script and ran over to Toyota with the absence of Kyle Busch Motorsports. So here was Todd Gillian, who was originally a Toyota development driver, who had been switched to Ford. Uh, Front Row Motorsports honored the contract from David Gillian over to Front Row Motorsports, only to later on have David Gillian pull a fast one, and go back to Toyota, as I said, with the announcement of Kyle Busch uh, leaving Toyota going to Chevrolet. So, I mean, he's, he, what's the real reason here, right? Obviously, um, I, think, I think the writing is on the wall. Todd Gillian, uh, his time in front of motorsports may be uh, limited considering uh, the manufacturer jump. You know, Ford really has a, first of all, we need to know who the heck CEO of Front Row Motorsports is. Do, do, do y'all know who's on that panel? Of course, it's Bob Jenkins is one of them, but who's the other co-owner? Can y'all say the name Doug Yates? So I'm sure Doug is not very happy that Gillian, uh, you know, jumped over to Toyota, even though, you know, it's not really an engine support. They're racing the Hillmar uh, engines in the truck series, but still, I mean, it, it has to have been a slap in the face to everybody there at Front Row Motorsports uh, when Gillian decided to uh, change his manufacturing support over to Toyota. Um, so I think that there's a little bit more deeper influence than what we're seeing here. Obviously, Zane Smith is being able to bring a sponsor on. In years past, we've seen where teams were willing to fire a driver midseason, bring in another driver. We haven't seen that much through NASCAR over the last several years. It seems like once the season kind of gets started, you know, 
uh, a charter team will stick with their own driver, of course, because that has eligibility into the win and you're in uh, for points. And NASCAR announced that, you know, hey, you win and you're in as long as you as long as you qualify for all the races. So they definitely took, uh, you know, what would be crazy to see is if Todd Gilliam goes out there and wins the Daytona 500, if Todd doesn't then try to find his way out of front row motorsports and into another seat so that he can race for a championship because, uh, I mean, I'm just not sure that front row motorsports is going to uh, honor that. Now, who knows? He may win the Daytona 500, and then front row says, "Hey, all's forgiven. We'll 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 fund you for the rest of the year." So hopefully, that is something that uh, could happen. But hey, I'm excited. Zane Smith is getting his. Do I think in the long run, Zane Smith is more uh, uh, capable of being a superstar in this sport over Todd Gilliam? You damn right. I mean, Butch Gilliam was all right driver. David Gilliam was all right driver. Todd hasn't necessarily come in and set the world on fire, but Zane Smith, man, we keep talking about the guy a whole lot. So, I mean, I, I'm all for uh, Front Row Motorsports giving this kid the opportunity, and I'm not sure if anybody sitting at this panel would disagree with that. Well, we, it's, it's obvious now that we know where Front Row Motorsports, uh, in the long term, who they're investing into, mm-hmm. and that is Zane Smith. Uh, somebody, uh, Eric Eastep put out a uh, post on Twitter saying uh, happy to see Zane Smith get an opportunity but not at the expense of Todd Gillen. He performed decent for a rookie in that car and he even got the number 38 its first top five finish since 2013. Would have liked him to see him full time but at least he'll get he'll still get reps. I'm on the same page. It's great to see Zane Smith uh, get an opportunity, but you know, it's a little saddening that Todd Gillen had to take the hit for it. Like I said, it it this pretty much shows to everyone that Front Row is investing into Zane Smith, and whenever they have an open seat ready, which it may look like at the end of this year. Uh, Todd Gilliland in front row may be separating, then Zane Smith's going to be taking over that ride. Yeah, sounds like Todd better get, keep it in gear or he may not have a ride. Um, so the, the races that were announced as Phoenix Raceway in March, uh, Talladega in April, Sonoma in June, Texas Motor Speedway in September, uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway uh, there in October. So I guess that would be the Roval. A uh, couple of couple of road course races. Uh, I guess Todd Gillian's not very actually. Yeah, two two road course races. So, um, not sure if that's uh, a slight of Todd Gillian and his road course uh, talent, or if that's just just uh, the confidence that maybe they believe Zane Smith has more talent than those. Uh, I see a, a common thing a lot of times. Guys that run really well at super speedways run really well at road courses so maybe that has a little bit of a uh, little bit of something to do with it there uh some of the things we missed uh so jimmy johnson will race the chicago street course i'm gonna let you take that one uh good to see him you know take on a road course well well basically street well it is a street course but uh, I'm not surprised he picked this one, being that 
uh, the last two years he was with IndyCar and they primarily run on road, road courses and street courses. So I'm not surprised he's running this, to be honest. Uh, just I do I do want to get it on the Chicago street course. Uh, somebody um, I saw somebody say that uh, they they live there a Chicago native and they are not even a giant fan of a Chicago street course race. <laughs> That's you know once again we the race population race fan population is about one percent of the general population. So being that that has been said, I'm not I'm not very surprised uh, by those comments, Taz. Um, but uh, I, I was aware that they were concerned about the aquariums in Chicago and the type of noise that would be generated and disturbing these aquariums there in the midtown of Chicago. Uh, have you guys heard anything about that? That's the, kind of the brought on to the mufflers. I hadn't heard that, but <laughs> yeah. it'll be interesting. Um, so Kevin Harvick joins the Fox food. Craig Moore. I bet you get it all yeah, excited over that one, don't you? Yeah, you know, at least we'll have somebody up there to to banter with Clint Boyer. Um, you knew it was only a matter of time. The next driver to retire was going to go in the booth. Uh, glad to see if it's, see it's Harvick in a way. Um, it'll give somebody with relative experience driving these new cars uh, in the booth to give us a fresh perspective. I don't care how much these guys prepare or how many times they take it out for a test ride, so to speak. Nothing's like driving the actual car for two full seasons. Um, I just, I, I think it's, I think it'll be great for, for the from the fans' perspective to hear it from that perspective, um, yeah. So kudos to him, and hopefully he can dedicate more time to his his kids' racing career. And you know, as Kyle Busch said, forty five seems to be the magical age, and that's the age he's looking at. Um, so we'll have to see in the next five or six years, if seven years, if Kyle he's true to his word. I'm just not sure. Kevin Harvick understands the type of dedication that it takes to be uh, with the broadcast booth. Of course, you're going to shorten your season by half a year, of course, right? That's straight off the bat. Uh, Fox coverage is only from February to June or July, I believe. Uh, So, you know, you're you're definitely cutting your schedule in half, so that kind of opens up that free time. But the commitment is still just as much of a commitment during that time as what you would be as a racer. Uh, of course, you know. Well, um, yeah. You, yeah it's, if it's, you remember, if you remember, Chris, when Dale was going up to the booth, he, Junior, he was at all the first, he was at the races the entire year learning about uh, how to do broadcasting. He was he was studying it. He was at the track every almost every weekend. So Kevin's kind of going to be 
in a backwards slide almost because he's not going to have that time to get acclimated with being in the booth except for when he goes up during select Indica or Xfinity races if he gets a chance to go up there this year, which I'm sure that they're going to make it a point for him to get up there. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure we'll see Kevin Harvick in the booth. Of course, he's been in the booth uh, for several years now on an off and on basis and has done a great job. I'm really looking forward to his commentating style. Uh, you know, I, I love Clint Boyer. I think he's off the rails most of the time. I think he's disruptive uh, with the with the audience. And I'm not sure if him and Mike Joy, I mean, you got a guy like Mike Joy who is forever taking his job very serious. And he's slotted with a guy who's never taken anything serious. And I think that that has, uh, that, that has an adverse effect on the broadcasting style. Uh, Miss Lee, I'd like for you to make a comment on that. Do you see... Do you see Kevin Harvick kind of bringing a little bit of order back to the broadcast booth? Because I know as an older person, you, you have to notice that Clint Boyer is off the rails. As an older person, thanks a lot. <laughs> uh, come on. Come on. Craig's no, right there I, with you, sis. I think, I, think Kevin hey. does, I think Kevin does well in the booth. I think he will be successful. Him and Clint being former teammates, I think maybe, yeah, he might. Nobody's ever going to temper Clint, period. But, yes, Kevin can provide that bridge between Mike Joy and Clint, I think. I, I, I'm looking forward to that team. I'm sorry. I was looking back over the thread there. Um, did I miss something? No, I, I, I just basically, I said, Harvick, Harvick's going to be a good bridge between Mike Joy and Clint. Nobody will ever camper Clint. And that's a good right, thing. Right, right. Yeah, I guess in a way, but it definitely the broadcast booth needs a little bit more stability uh, to keep, you know, Clint from going off the rails. Is yes. I mean, he did really good with Tony, but I really felt like Tony was kind of keeping him in line as well. You know, all Tony has to really do is kind of give you that look, and being that Tony was his former boss, Clint Boyer knows what that look is, and, uh, you know, um, I was caught off guard by, uh, uh, what's her name, the No Doubt Girl, Gwen Stefani. Uh, she was up there talking with Clint Boyer during the podcast and it caught him out for being a drunk. And, uh, hey, so, that was off uh, the rails. He, he was kind of, he was kind of speechless there. there. They, yeah, they never right. should have brought her up there. That, that was off the rails. I don't care how good of friends they are. Um, and I believe our last topic, uh, of in case of things we missed was, uh, uh, Stevie Latart joins Dirty Mo Racing, Dirty Mo Podcast with a new podcast called Dirty Mo Dope. This is a podcast about gambling and NASCAR. A lot of times this is kind of an unrecognized, uh, uh, what is it? What should it be called? 
this is some, you know, I feel like in the betting world, you have people who bet on things and they're not necessarily fans. They just bet on it because they're, uh, they're gamblers and that's what they do. But it also in these states that have open gambling, it's, you know, it's a way, it's kind of like fantasy football. Like anybody, you know, I'm a big fantasy football guy. Uh, I've been in, doing it for, I don't know, 15 years. Uh, so, uh, I definitely see uh, this podcast as uh, it's going to be pretty informative. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts uh, about Stevie LaTarte hosting a gambling podcast? I, I just don't know. I didn't know Stevie LaTarte was a big gambler, but I guess being that he was a crew chief, uh, maybe maybe he was a big, a big in gambling, you know, taking those chances. Being that people like to gamble in sports, maybe a good time for him to do something like this so that uh, if people wanted to gamble in NASCAR, there's a podcast for it, and they kind of know who to go with and listen to and get their viewpoints besides uh, going to, like, a sports betting website and going off the odds. Right. I mean, we've seen this on uh, Fox Sports 1. We've seen bad beats. Uh, So, you know, it's just basically adapting what the rest of the sports sports culture is doing. And Dirty Mode Media, they obviously are not scared to try new things. And, uh, you know, like I said, if you have not checked out uh, the content over at Dirty Mode Media and some of the new shows that they have coming out, man, Ken Squire was on there. Uh, He did an interview uh, Denny Hamlin, his his new podcast, Stevie Latard, if you're into gambling, uh, there you go. Uh, there's your new podcast. I love Stevie Latard. Like, you know, he was a, a big-time company guy. The greatest story, I think, was that, you know, he he started out at Hendrick sweeping floors. And then, you know, at the end of his career, he was crew chiefing uh, the most popular driver ever in, in, in the state of the sport. So, uh, you know, it just shows hard work and perseverance, what it can lead to. Hey, any last thoughts on uh, Stevie Latart uh, and his new podcast as we get ready to close out the show? I got nothing because I don't gamble. We used to do uh, we used to do odd makers here. We used to call out the odds for the race. I think uh, I'll make sure that that's in the itinerary for uh, next week. Maybe we'll add that as well uh, to the subject. So uh, thank you guys. Uh, for being a part of the show here tonight, Race Chat Live. We want to thank all of you guys uh, for taking your time and being with us here on this Tuesday night. Of course, you can check out uh, this uh, show anytime throughout the week or any past episodes. Can't tell and tell them about it. Yeah, of course. If you ever miss a live show on Tuesday night, you can always listen to us at any form of podcast, which lists off as not only Blog Talk Radio, but also podcast podpage.com, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, RSS Feed, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, GeoSaving, Podcast Addict, Deezer, Podchaser, and on YouTube. All you got to do is search the 110 Nation Sports, and we'll pop, Race Chat Live will pop up right with the 110 Nation Sports channels. All right, you heard it there. We'll be back next Tuesday night. It sounds like to say the same bat time, same bat place. Any closing thoughts, guys, before we let you go? 
Go Kansas City. Go Kansas City. Yeah, Super Bowl picks real quick. Super Bowl picks. It's late. I'll take, I'll take Kansas City by three. I'm going Eagles just because that's my son-in-law's favorite team. As a Giants fan and Eagles knocking out the Giants, I'm rooting KC. Uh, yeah, KC all the way, baby. KC all the way, even though Jalen Hurts played at the University of Alabama. Patrick Mahomes is uh, working on being the next GOAT of the NFL. So I can't give it I can't give him goat status yet. Tom Brady will be able to hang on to that for about six, about five to maybe ten years. Uh but I do believe at the rate that uh, Patrick Mahomes is going, he will be the greatest of all time when it's all said and done. Thank you guys for listening to the show. We'll be back on next week. Y'all make sure you check it out and share the podcast comments below. And uh y'all have a great week, man. You get ready for speed weeks coming up next week. Good night everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night. Just a good old boy. Never meaning no harm. Beats all you never saw. Been in trouble with the law since the day they was born. Straightening the curve. Planting the hills. The mountain might get them, but the law never will. Making their way. How would we get it?